Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Interesting article, Can We Help Save Democracy by Requiring Voters to Pass a Test of Political Knowledge? It's a question that was raised on this program a few weeks ago, and I've been looking into it, and I found the article by Ilya Soman, professor of law at George Mason University. Professor Soman is also the author of Democracy and Political Ignorance, and his new book is Free to Move. Professor Soman, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, Thank you very much for having me. So uh, let's begin with this this idea of a political knowledge test for voters. It's, as you point out in the in the uh, in the column you wrote, it's not a new idea. It's been proposed by a number of people, and in fact, you looked at it in looked at it in your book, Democracy and Political Ignorance. Where do we approach this from? What's the angle? In one sense, we already have this in the United States currently, but to some degree, I think in Canada as well, uh, we have it for immigrants who want to become citizens. In the U.S. and also I think in Canada, they have to pass a civics test if they want to become citizens and have the right to vote. Uh, and at least according to U.S. data, a, a majority of native-born Americans would actually fail that test uh, if they had to take it without studying. Uh, I think the more controversial idea, though, is extending this to the general population uh, and not just to immigrants. And there, while I'm not on principle opposed to it, I think there are some serious problems uh, that would have to be overcome and that I'm not optimistic could be successfully dealt with. Uh, and I'm happy to talk about those in, in more detail. Yeah, please do, because I, I want to come back also to the issue of whether or not our democracy is under significant assault simply because of the increasing absence of political knowledge. But but carry on with the thought that you started to express, Professor. Sure. I'm not sure that there is an increasing absence of political knowledge, but survey data for going back decades for the U.S., Europe, and I think to a more limited extent that we have data for Canada as well, does show pretty low levels of political knowledge for a long time now. Uh, and that's a more and more serious problem as government has become larger and more complicated uh, in both our countries. Uh, so uh, one possible way then that some people have proposed addressing this issue is to say that if you want to vote in an election, you have to pass some sort of test of political knowledge, perhaps similar to the one taken by new immigrants, perhaps somewhat different. And in principle, I'm not opposed to this, but there are serious practical problems such as who gets to design the test and who gets to decide what will be the correct answers. Uh, obviously, the government in power, whether it be uh, the Liberal Party of Justin Trudeau in Canada or the Democrats or Republicans in the U.S., uh, they will have very strong incentives to skew any such test in favor of their supporters and, and against their opponents. Uh, so that would be one very serious practical problem. But even aside from this issue of bias, you would face some difficult questions about what should be on any such test, what would count as a passing score, uh, and also what we would do if, for example, 
it turned out that some racial or ethnic groups are more likely to pass the test than others, or if men are more likely to pass than women or vice versa. Uh, so that, that would raise some additional problems as well. Have you discussed this at all with your students? And if you have, what has their response been? What's the reaction of the younger generation? It's a good question. I don't actually teach a class on this. I haven't directly discussed it with students in a classroom setting. When I give talks about this at various universities in, in the U.S. and abroad, uh, I think I get mixed reactions. I myself don't advocate this sort of solution. Uh, and I think the majority of people that I mentioned it to probably are not in favor of it. Uh, but uh, it seems like Granted, it's probably an unrepresentative sample, but it seems like there is maybe more openness to it among more people than might be thought, uh, particularly once I point out that we already do this with respect to immigrants and we already disenfranchise about 25 percent even of the native born population in the U.S. and Canada uh, because we think they don't know enough to vote well. Uh, namely, we disenfranchise pretty much everybody under the age of 18. Uh, so uh, if we can disenfranchise many millions of people for that reason, uh, then uh, one way of looking at a kind of test proposal is to say that, uh, you know, that would just disenfranchise only, say, another five or 10 percent of the potential electorate, depending on how hard the test was. Uh, so, again, I don't actually favor this particular solution to the problem of political ignorance, uh, but I do believe it deserves serious consideration. And it's not quite as radical as it sometimes seems, especially given the large numbers of people that we already exclude from the franchise because we think uh, they would be bad voters, children, immigrants who don't pass the test. Uh, in many states in the U.S., people convicted of certain types of crimes uh, are not allowed to be voters and so on. Well, it could be political kryptonite as well for any party that suggests it. If, if they come out alone and say, this would be one of our policies, if, for example, one of the federal political parties were to suggest in the upcoming Canadian election, and we're going to have one shortly, uh, were to say, well, I think we all should have, uh, in order to vote, you should be able to, you should be required to pass a political knowledge test. That would be just, you know, you might as well just pack it in. Yeah. No, I agree. If this was proposed... Uh, by prominent politicians in the U.S. or in Canada, uh, at least in a short run, it would be politically damaging to them. Though it's paradoxical that public opinion is perfectly fine, most public opinion is perfectly fine with accepting this approach to uh, immigrants getting to vote. Uh, and also most people, not all, but most are fine with the idea that anybody under the age of 18 is not allowed to vote because we expect that they will be bad voters. Uh, and they're not allowed to vote even if they do pass a test. So there are 16-year-olds that know much more about politics uh, than the average person my age, but uh, they're not allowed to vote at all because we just say, well, 16-year-olds as a class, we don't trust them to be good voters. Well, I can tell uh, you this. So, when I was 16, nobody should have trusted me to vote. I, I, I didn't know you at that age. That could be. Uh, all I'm, even if it's true that on average, the average 16-year-old knows less about political issues and say the average 40 year old on average that probably is true yeah. there's a lot of variation within both groups so so let's let's look at this the age uh, let's look at this demographic and you also write in your piece perhaps the problem is that schools are teaching the wrong things a better curriculum might ensure that high school students don't graduate without learning basic political and historical knowledge as many currently do not enough of them though right 
Yeah, so in both the U.S. and I think what I'm less familiar, but I think this is also true to a considerable degree in Canada, uh, when people graduate from high school, they often don't know very basic things about how the political system works. Uh, the majority of Americans cannot name the three branches of our federal government, the executive, the legislative, and the judicial, and there's many other examples like this. In principle, we could reform the education system so that people would know more about the structure of the political system, more about economics and public policy and other topics, but there are two big obstacles to doing this, which I discuss in greater detail in my book. One is modern government is so large and sweeping, uh, it would be extremely difficult, if not impossible, to make most voters knowledgeable about more than a small fraction of it. For example, in both the US and Canada, government spending is about a third of gross, gross domestic product or even, even higher actually during the COVID crisis. A second problem is you have to ask what would incentivize the politicians and other government officials who run the public schools to actually structure the curriculum in a way that would increase knowledge. After all, these politicians, most of them were elected by an electorate that knows very relatively little. Uh, why would they want to shake up the electorate uh, and therefore potentially shake up their own grip on power? Their greater incentive in most cases uh, is to either let the status quo slide or to try to use the public schools to indoctrinate students in their own preferred ideologies. So in the U.S. right now, we have an active debate between the left, which many of which wants to use the public schools to promote their ideas, particularly on racial issues, but the right is just as bad or worse. They are also happy to use the public schools to promote their partisan and ideological interests. And very few people in either the Democratic or the Republican Party actually say, well, what we want to do is we want to have a balanced curriculum that exposes people to a wide range of points of view right. and increases political knowledge and so on. Well, you know, I, I like the idea of a political knowledge test because I think in part it might generate more interest in politics and have people more just generically involved in keeping an eye on politics and political parties and, and, their, and their platforms. And it might, in fact, increase the percentage of voters or the percentage of eligible voters who actually do vote, which in this country is abysmal. It's around 60%. So it's possible it would have that effect, but it's also possible that even though people like you I knew and me, you were going to say that. Who, who, who enjoy following <laughs> politics, as I think we do, we might be enthusiastic about the test. Yeah. But the kinds of people who know relatively little and are, aren't interested in politics, it might be off-putting. There's also a trade-off involved in that if you increase voter turnout at the margin, uh, marginal new voters on average, there's obviously variation, but on uh, average, they tend to know less than those who currently vote regularly. Okay. Uh, so there might be a trade-off in some cases between quality and quantity in terms of political knowledge. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.